Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. It's me and Gary Jordan again. We're doing our quick sort of update. It's not going to be quick because I know, Gary, you've got a whole lot of stuff in your cellar. Thanks, Gary. Busy day. Uh, lots of grapes coming in at the moment. You'll see some activity uh, behind me still. I'm set up in the cellar as I'm running from, uh, from room to room as we're busy taking in grapes for our bubbly, some lovely Chardonnay, and lots of fermentations happening from, uh, from what's happened over the last week. So you've, you've done, have you started Sauvignon Blanc? Because that's what I was sort of interested in. I thought that last week when we chatted, everybody was talking about Sauvignon Blanc. And you said you thought you might start harvesting your Sauvignon Blanc this week. Have you done that? You disappeared for five minutes when in the beginning of the interview. So you might have told me that already. No. So um, it was a, you know, the build up to the harvest was so cool and different. Um, and we ended up taking in our very first two blocks of Chardonnay. But Sauvignon Blanc it is. Uh, it's gone back to sort of a normal harvest, some wonderful flavors. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc rolling in at the moment. We stopped today just to take in a little bit of uh, Chardonnay for bubbly because that needs to come in at a slightly lower sugar. Yes. Um, but Sauvignon Blanc it is all week uh, for the rest of the week and weekend. Wow. So how many tons of Sauvignon Blanc are we going to harvest off Jordan this year? Do we know? Do you have an idea? Yeah, we, we, we roughly, we do bunch counts and we weigh bunches and we can kind of get a very good estimate as to what's going to come in. It's probably around 130 tons of, uh, of Sauvignon Blanc um, in total, sp spread amongst a few different blocks, more That's south a lot. and That's east That's a lot of south. wine. And, and Gary, does that go into... Yeah, it's a bit more than you can drink on a weekend. It's a bit more than we can do at dinner. Does that go into the chameleon <laughs> as well? You've got a chameleon Sauvignon, haven't you? We, we do, yes. So it'll go into our main uh, Sauvignon Blanc, the cold fact, and okay. it'll also go into the, the chameleon. And it's looking nice. I know when I spoke to you earlier, you were a little bit worried that it was probably maybe getting a little bit sun-kissed. The, the grapes, the bunch of grapes that you sent me looked absolutely beautiful. I wanted to eat them. You, should, you sent me a photograph of them. But they were looking teensy bit sun-kissed, which I love. Um, beautiful for aromatics and, and, and mouthfeel for Sauvignon Blanc. Okay? Nice ripe grapes. Yeah. Look, one doesn't want too much sun on Sauvignon Blanc because you, in many ways, uh, it's a very delicate grape variety in it. Uh, it doesn't like to grow just everywhere. Um, to do well, it's really got to be high up, cool. Um, you don't want too much sun exposure because, uh, you know, unlike some grape varieties, you'll actually burn off those really delicate sort of tropical Sauvignon Blanc flavors off quite yes. easily. Well, just, um, for the, so just for the viewers and the listeners. We were sending some photographs earlier. Yeah. I was going to say for the viewers and the listeners, I'm going to see if I can put into the newsletter maybe next week that beautiful photograph that you sent me this morning looking out from the top of the hill down over the Sauvignon Blanc vineyards. And there was a sort of a mist cloud coming in over the, over the vines. And it just looked absolutely gorgeous. I thought, what a perfect Sauvignon Blanc harvest morning. 
yeah, it was ideal for that time in the morning, 6, 6.30 in the morning. Mm. But uh, a little bit of a wake-up call because we normally get those mists coming in around the uh, sort of end of March, and that kind of heralds a bit of botrytis with it. Yeah. Uh, as you know, we, we like uh, a bit of botrytis, particularly if it's clean. Mm. And on something like Sauvignon Blanc can make it quite interesting. Oh, I love but, it. Uh, yeah, it looks like ev everything is now dried off of it. Okay. And I'm sitting, looking at you, Gary. You're in your cellar at Jordan, and I can see people with great big bins of grapes and things where they're obviously putting through to be pressed a little bit there behind you. But I can see an amphora in the background there. Is that a, where did you get that from? What is that that I'm looking at behind you? It is, it is. yeah, it's, it a, is. It's, a, it's, it's clay amphora. We've got a whole series of them. Um, this is just one of them here. We had to move out of the way today, but it's got some, uh, some lovely syrah in it. Mm. Uh, in, the, in the background, what we're looking at, and you can imagine uh, for those who can't see it, uh, we've got uh, you know tanks hanging from the ceiling. Uh, we've got movable presses on the same level that I'm uh, that I'm chatting to you at, and uh, we can literally push the press to the pumice rather than uh, have to pump uh, grapes all over the place. So much more gentle action. The cellar um, looks absolutely today is all about, uh, about white grapes. Yes. Okay. You know, I, I'm absolutely loving the flavors yeah. that are coming out of those amphora, and I think more and more people, if they if they can afford to, because they are quite expensive, aren't they? Tell tell the listeners what an amphora like that costs. What does it cost? Uh, an amphora costs about half the cost of a BMW. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> oh, God. And, uh, but it's not like a barrel uh, where... You know, a barrel that you would uh, you would use perhaps sort of five times and then uh, mm. cut it in half and use it for pot plants. And yeah. uh, for <laughs> it really has a life, and because it's all clay and it's natural. Yeah, and, I know. And Gary, tell me Not something. Not good for the bottom line. No, no, those those pots. Every time I see any of my friends using one of those sawn-off wine barrels, my heart sort of clinches. You know, and I think, oh, but these amphoras. <laughs> yeah. um, I would be terrified of them breaking because I've had clay pots and things in my life before and all they need is one tiny little bump and that's them. I mean, how do you protect these things in the cellar? Yeah, well, this would be an absolute disaster, not only for the really expensive clay amphora that's mm. come out from Tuscany, uh, you know, real precision made and each one signed by the potter that's made it oh. and fired it. Not only that, but you lose the wine and a whole year's worth of work. So you don't you don't want to break them, I promise you. You don't want to break them. So have you had to sort of rearrange your cellar to house these amphora? Because I would imagine that once they're in place, you don't want to move them anywhere else, do you? It's not like barrels that you can roll around the cellar. No, but you can if you've got the right system and we've got a sort of little trolley system that you can move them around. Um, you can do that. Uh, but you don't want to just put them on chocks and then have to roll them uh, on their sides. That's not going to work. Yeah. They crack quite easily. And that's what I think. I mean, I, as I said, I've had clay pots in my garden before. And one little knock in the right place or the wrong place with the handle of the rake or something, and that pot just cracks in half. So I would be terrified as a wine farmer having, exactly. spent, that's... having bought a fleet of BMWs and put them <laughs> in my cellar. And now they can crack. Anyway, so that's that. 
talk to me about the yeah. rest of the week. We doing are we doing Sauvignon Blanc the whole week at Jordan? Yes. So other other than the bubbly for our uh, Blanc de Blanc, which means it's coming out of Chardonnay only, we're doing a Blanc de Blanc Chardonnay today, and that'll go into uh, um, you know to be used for for sparkling wine. Yes. Um, but we're using a series of, of different yeasts. Uh, now, it's quite interesting because what we use for bubbly is this uh, French EC 1818, and there's various forms of it, but a Bayanis type yeast, uh, specially made for, uh, uh, for bubbly. And then for Sauvignon Blanc, uh, in this case here in, in my hand, I've got some of this yeast coming from uh, South Africa, made at Anki Yeast, specially selected for South African conditions, and really great to bring out those intense tropical fruit flavors on Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, good. So, so you, um, so yeah, you, this is Vin 13. Okay. And you actually, you don't, for the Sauvignon Blancs, you're not, um, you're not going for natural fermentation. So you, you add the yeast and you've selected those yeasts specifically to match the clone of vine that you've got in your vineyard. That's right. Yeah. For the outlier Sauvignon Blanc, which we barrel ferment, yeah. uh, that would be natural fermentation. Mm. But for a, st a standard sort of Sauvignon Blanc that you and I would be yeah. drinking gallons of, that would be uh, fermented. And you want, you want to know that you're going to get exactly the right kind of flavors. You want to control that you're not going to get vinegar and all sorts of other yes. possible problems coming from And aside from, from that, that we want some consistency because everybody knows that Jordan Sauvignon Blanc tastes like this. And every year it tastes like this and that's why we buy it, because we yeah. like it. And so, as you say, you can control the quality. I mean, it's a good quality control thing. And you've obviously done loads and loads of, of research and what have you to make sure that you've put exactly the correct yeah. yeast with the right grape. Mm. Okay, well, that's perfect. And that's um, just one of... And numerous yeasts that we'd use. Yes. Uh, is yeast a massive part of your pricing? Is yeast expensive? Not really. Isn't it? Uh, barrels are expensive and all the kind of hardware that you see in the background are expensive. And yes. Gary, I'm going to see you in yeah. Cape Town tomorrow, um, I hope. Villa yes. Fonte is turning 25. And I hope that I see you and we can... Yes. How wonderful. Uh, how amazing. I mean, I can't believe it's 25 years on, but... We're all getting old, I suppose. But hopefully I'll see you in Cape Town. Otherwise, we catch up next week for another quick update on the Jordan harvest and what is going on in the Jordan vineyards and the Jordan winery. Thank you so, so much as ever. Have That'll you got something in your glass? What have you swirling around in your glass? I, I do. I've got some, some newly fermenting Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> so you can actually see how, how cloudy it is. It's yes. already... You know, it starts off at somewhere around 230 grams of sugar, and it's now down to about 190. So you can't really drink it, but you no. can start getting those wonderful flavors oh, of Sauvignon Blanc. As we I can smell it, know. even though I'm just looking at anyway, you on a cheers. screen. I can smell that Sauvignon Blanc as it is like that. It's such a good, and it looks like cloudy apple juice from, from Pick and Pay or something, but it is delicious. I love it like that. Gary, cheers. cheers. Thank you. Cheers, and here's to, here's to the team, to Villafonte on their... 25th uh, birthday as well. Happy, happy Villa Fonte birthday. I'll see you in Cape Town and I'll catch up with you early next week on where we're at in the Jordan Vineyards next week. Great. Thanks, Gary. Cheers, Gary. Bye.